And we pray for these people too. Lord, have no mercy on these people. I pray that you convince them that I'm right about these things I'm sharing. friend and we pray God that you would just release your spirit over every one of us we just pray God you would just teach us Holy Spirit you're the you're the teacher you're our, you're our guide you're our teacher you're the one who brings comfort and inspiration to us and we just we pray for that right now in Jesus name amen um I'm, I'm gonna teach uh, I want to share uh, a message about developing your spiritual IQ, SQ, we call it SQ, your spiritual quotient. Before I do that, I had a prophetic word that I shared in our church uh, on 219, and I just want to read it to you. It's just quick. Is that okay? I'm going to read it anyway. Um, It's for our country, really. I have a sense that our country is improving. I had a vision of God blowing or breathing on this continent as Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a suggestion, but a command. I saw the nation turning blood red from the east coast to the west coast. It was the redemptive redemptive nature of forgiveness being assimilated into the ground, and out of the soil, souls were emerging like soldiers in a battlefield. Dead bones were coming to life. They were dressed for battle in different realms. Some had expensive business suits on, while others were dressed like doctors, teachers, mothers, and so forth. They were all given secret messages that they read and then ate. The messages transformed them and equipped them for their mission. Revelation was released over the nation, and inventions and innovations began to spring up all over, like the first week of spring. Pennsylvania was highlighted as a major breakthrough was rising from there as if a major breakthrough was rising from there instead of two towers three towers were being built as a sign of strength for our economy being supported by a three-chord strand i felt a warning i felt a, a warning that many would look at the political climate to determine the condition of the country but the signs of revival would not flow from the white house but to it <clears throat> hope would not ri- rise from the poles but from the people This was a people movement that would sweep the globe, turning the the planet a deep purple. I saw the Lord blowing freezing cold air over Iran and over North Korea. it, It created impossible conditions for war. He literally froze their war machines. It was a political climate change equal to the fall of the Iron Curtain. By the way, the two days after I prophesied this, the headlines at Fox News says, North Korea puts their nukes on ice. I saw that God had already released Daniels into China and humility and generosity would spring up from the east. God called it a helps movement. I saw China would be given the, the gift of helps for the world. God was hugging centuries of brokenness out of China. There was much more, but every country that was bent on war was frozen. The climate was suddenly and unpredictably changed. It was weird but good. I heard the words singing revolution. And there was more, but that was basically it. 
If you'll turn to Acts 3, um, this is a, a verse that's been, uh, I've been teaching out of Acts 3 for different things for quite uh, some time, maybe the last six months. And I actually uh, did a message on wholeness for the students out of this chapter, but I want to take it a different place. Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, and a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they, did I say the wrong thing? It's Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Did I get it? Okay. Um, being carried along where they used to, I'm sorry, where was I? Whom they used to um, set down every day by the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, We are pastors. We don't have silver or gold. But one thing we have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Everybody say walking, walking leaping, leaping, and praising God. Praising God. I have this deep sense, and, and this is really another message, but that God wants us to be tridimensionally whole. He wants us to walk. The man walked. He was physically healed. He leaped. He was emotionally healed. And he praised God. He was spiritually healed. And I do believe that... Um, and if I'm not careful, I'll end up preaching a different message. But I do believe that God cares about the triune man. That God, that, that God values the soul, the, the emotions. Sometimes we're like, well, that person's so emotional. Uh, God's the most emotional guy in the Bible. And in fact, and 3 John, what I taught on actually in the school of ministry for you guys, is 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And the word soul there is the word psyche. So the foundation of all prosperity and good health is your soul, not your spirit. So your spirit should take care of your soul so that you can prosper. I do believe that you need to be spirit-led, but that doesn't mean soul-oppressed. I don't think spirit-led means soul-oppressed. I think that your soul... If you will, if I could use it as a metaphor, I think your spirit is like your, is the husband, the soul is like the wife, and the goal of the spirit is to take care of the soul, not oppress the soul. And so um, there is a lot of, there's a lot of teaching that's coming out of um, uh, non-Christian circles about um, EQ, uh, emotional intelligence, if you will, emotional quotient. And um, at, how many of you have read anything about emotional intelligence? Um, you can go down to you know, Barnes and Nobles or especially in the, um, in the bookstores that are in the airports where there's lots of business people. EQ is a really, really big thing right now. As a matter of fact, um, what they're saying, most studies are saying that it's not, it's not CEOs and entrepreneurs with high IQ that are actually the best leaders in nations, it's actually the ones with high EQ, emotional intelligence. They're finding that your EQ is actually more important than your IQ. 
and let me give you just a definition if you haven't heard it. Your, your IQ, this is, you know, it's been, this, is, this definition's 100 years old, but here's your IQ. It's uh, obviously emotional quotient. A number representing a person's reasoning ability measured using problem-solving tests as compared to a statistical norm or average for their age taken as 100. Really simply means that if you, it's your ability to reason, it's measured by statistical tests, and norm is 100. So in other words, if you have anything below 100, then you're less, you're less than normal. I don't know how to say that nicely. <laughs> and if you're over 100, then you're, you know, you're, you're, you got better than a C on your tests, I guess. So that's, that's IQ. And then EQ, um, maybe, maybe you haven't heard any definition for EQ, but let me give you a definition. And what I actually did is I took about seven definitions from EQ and I put them all together into one because there's several definitions of EQ. Um, and I tried to like, I tried to, you know, say, okay, all of these things say this. EQ is emotional quotient and it's the ability to perceive emotion, integrate emotion to facilitate thought, and understand emotion and regulate emotion to promote personal and corporate growth. In other words, its ability to read people on an emotional level and lead and, and, and guide that emotion to create positive forward motion. Does that make sense? And in other words, they're saying that great leaders can use their, uh, they can use this, this EQ to understand the hearts of people and turn their hearts towards a direction that's positive, in this case for companies or for countries or for ministries. Does that make sense? Um, and then, so tonight I want to, but tonight I want to talk about spiritual intelligence, SQ, your spiritual quotient, and how you can improve it. How you can improve spiritual intelligence. What I love about this Paul said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in your spirit of your mind. I'd like to propose to you that you're all tripolar. You're all tripolar. Like some of you are like, my doctor says I'm bipolar. He's wrong. You're tripolar. You actually think from the body, you think from the, you think from the soul, and you think from the spirit. And I think it's important that you take care of all three. Tonight, in fact, if you, if you got the book Spirit Wars, there is a whole chapter on the triune man and how to take care of all three dimensions of your personhood. And I think it's important to realize, see, I used to believe that your soul, for instance, was your mind, your will, and your emotions. What I realized, especially as, we, as I um, wrote the book Spirit Wars, what I realized is that actually that's not true. You or your emotions are affected by the spirit, your thoughts are affected by the spirit. Your thoughts are affected by the body. We all know that if we went out and took an illegal drug, it would affect the way we think. That's a natural thing affecting the organ of my brain. We also know that if, it, if somebody is demonized, that that affects the way they think. We know that if someone loses a loved one or goes through a divorce, their soul is wounded. David said in Psalms 23, the Lord restores my soul. And so that affects the way they think. What I'm getting at is this, is actually you're you, you are thinking tri-dimensionally all the time. 
The advantage you have over a non-Christian is that your spirit is alive. And the Holy Spirit lives in your spirit. Do you actually know that you are the house of the Holy Spirit? But that you are also the house of your spirit? Do you know that two spirits live in you and you can't cast either one of them out? One of them is your spirit. One of them is the Holy Spirit. What I'm getting at is this, is that you have a tremendous advantage over anybody who doesn't know God because you can be renewed in the spirit of your mind and anyone who doesn't know God does not have the Holy Spirit nor do they have their spirit living in them. Now, there's lots of different ways to look at it, but I'm taking this from Genesis chapter 2 where God said to to, um, Adam, listen, if you eat this fruit, in the day you eat it, you shall die. In other words, this fruit will kill you in 24 hours. We know, that, we know that Adam did not physically die, but he spiritually died. In other words, the third dimension of Adam that interacted with the Spirit of God died. Are you with me? And so um, when we were born again, we all know the day we were born again, we looked in the mirror and we still saw us. So in what way were we born? We were born of the Spirit. And what I'm getting at is this. If we could learn how to tap into the spiritual dimension, and, and um, well, I may be giving away my message, but I'm not talking about woohoo land. <laughs> I'm talking about the spiritual dimension that gives us intelligence to do things that other people never thought about doing because they're only, they're only dual dimensional and we're tri-dimensional. And I actually believe, and I was on, the, actually, this, this whole teaching began about eight months ago. I had Heidi Baker on the phone. She's a very close friend of Kathy and ours. And um, I'm, I'm on her board, and, and we are, we are um, just really partners. But um, she, was, she was calling from Africa, and we were having this conversation. And in the midst of the conversation, I said, hey, I got, a, I got this prophetic word for you. She's like, she really loves the prophetic and she's like, what is it? I said, I see you in universities teaching SQ, teaching spiritual intelligence. And I believe you're going to teach something that people can't get without the Holy Spirit, and it's going to draw Yale and Princeton and Harvard back to their roots. Because you're going to be sharing something that they can't get without getting the Holy Spirit and their spirit re- reborn. And you're going to teach them the advantage of being a Christian without using the word Christian. You're going to say, this dimension's available to everyone who's had a new experience with the, heaven, with, with, with the, the chief of all spirits. And so anyway, and the bottom line is that we, we together, her and I, are writing a book together called Spiritual Intelligence. So let me give you um, the... Let me give you the definition of spiritual intelligence, which I wrote this. The ability to discern, perceive, and judge the spiritual dimensions that are at work in and around you and manage this realm towards a positive outcome. Want me to read it one more time? Yeah. Um, by the way, you can get on my website. It's kvministries.com. And all these notes, including the PowerPoint, I have a PowerPoint that goes with it. Um, you, can get, you can get all those for free. Just look under articles. If you click on articles, it'll say sermon notes. Just get on there and look up SQ. And you can have all these notes. There's 12 pages of notes. And there's like a, there's like a 14 
slide uh, PowerPoint if you're interested. So the ability to discern, perceive, and judge the spiritual dimensions that are at work in and around you and manage this realm towards a positive outcome. Um, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's see if I can make sense of this. Are you guys okay? Are you bored at all? Okay. Sorry if you are. I like this stuff. Um, how many of you understand that your natural mind, your, if we can say, your, the, your brain, has five dimensions of sensory perception. It analyzes that pers- those five dimensions and it comes up with an answer. That's how it analyzes, that's how it comes to a conclusion. Are you with me? For instance, do you know that your optic nerve is designed in such a way that it literally sees everything upside down. And it takes the rest of of the other four senses and it says, listen, you can't be upside down because I can feel, I can feel pressure on the bottom of your feet which tells me that gravity is pushing this direction and it takes these other, the other perceptions, the other four perceptions, if you will, and it reverses the image so you don't see the world the way that your eyes were designed. You see the world the way that your mind perceives reality. Are you with me? And so sight, smell, taste, hear, and feel are five dimensions of IQ, right? the way that you analyze what's real. I want to give you, and, and I'm, sure there's other, I'm sure there's other things. I'm trying to make it simple, if you will. I know some of you are like much more intelligent than that, and you're like, wait a second, do you understand there's this other? I, I've read some books, so I, I, get, I get that. But if you can just make it simple for now. I, I, I want to give you five dimensions of spiritual intelligence. In other words, these are sensory perceptions that would be like sight, like feel, like smell. Now, I'm going to give you five because there's five natural senses. I gave you five. I'm going to give you five spiritual senses. Now, I'm going to tell you right up front, I don't think there's only five. I'm just giving you five so you will can, can <laughs> think I'm smart. <laughs> so, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brother, I don't want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are a variety of gifts, everybody say gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of ministries, everybody say ministries, but the same Lord. There are a variety of effects. Um, some of your versions are wrong. There are a variety of. <laughs> mine says effects. There are a variety of effects. Everybody say effects. Yes. But the same God who works all things. Everybody say all things. All in, all persons. in all persons. Um. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given the word of wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. Through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. knowledge. By the same Spirit, to another faith. Everybody say faith. faith. 
the same spirit to another gifts of healing. Say gifts of healing by one spirit to another the effecting of miracles. Miracles to another prophecy to another distinguishing of spirits to another various kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues. Okay, I want to talk about five dimensions of perception that you can develop to raise your SQ, your spiritual quotient, your spiritual intelligence. Are you with me? And um, the first one is the gift of discernment. Now, I want to read you my definition of the gift of discernment. The ability to accurately perceive the spiritual entities that are influencing people. I should have kept going. The ability to accurately perceive the spiritual entities that are influencing people, organizations, and geographic locations as it applies to their motivations, their attitudes, their inclinations, and mindsets. I know you didn't get all that. Get on my website. (laughs) Part two of the discerning of spirits. The ability to appraise the level of spiritual favor and the strength of the human spirit that is present in the triune being of each individual. Okay, don't worry about that. I'm going to tell you a story and it'll make sense. First, this is, one of the, this is the way the gift of discern, discernment or distinguishing of spirits works. Are you with me still? Okay, I'll try to make it more interesting. I want you to notice that the, that the Bible doesn't call it the distinguishing of evil spirits. It calls it the distinguishing of spirits. In other words, the gift of distinguishing of spirits is, it, it is the ability to distinguish any kind of spirit, whether it's an evil spirit, an angelic spirit, or a human spirit. Are you with me? This is really important. So, how does it work? Well, one of the ways it works is like this. When you have the gift of discerning of spirits, which is part of your SQ, part of your spiritual quotient, are you with me? When you get in someone's metron, I'm sorry, I have to define some of these terms because there's not words in the English language that there are in, in in, in the Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but the word metron's important because the New Age people call it an aura. We don't have an English word for that, unless you want to use a New Age word, which you get in trouble for. But the Greek word is metron. It means the place of someone's influence. And you all have a metron. If, I, I don't exactly know what it looks like, but I would like to say that some of your metron, your sphere of influence that God has given you, is, if you can, if you can, if you can picture this with me, is just three feet around you. And within that three feet of your, sphere, of your sphere of influence, anything that happens inside of that three feet, it, and you say, is it actually three feet? No, it could be one inch around you. It, it could just be right up against your body. The point is, it's small. But when I get into your metron, if there's an evil spirit bothering you, did you hear the word evil spirit? If there's an evil spirit bothering you, when I get into your Metron, it will bother me. So, the way I used to do counseling, which I don't counsel anymore, but the first three years, I did counseling. When somebody would come in my office, I, before they tell, I don't want to know what's wrong with them. Like my secretary would write down, they're coming in for marriage counseling, they're coming in for, you know, whatever they were coming in for. But I wouldn't read that. I just want to know their name. See, for... Um, 
A pastor who has the gift of counsel, the more information they have, the better they counsel. For a prophet, the less information I have, the more accurate my prophetic nature is. So I would, before, I would say, okay, let's pray. Listen, they would say, well, you know, I want to tell you. I said, don't tell me anything yet. Let's pray. Now, I'll just be, come up here. I, I, would, I would just have them come up, or I would be sitting with them, and I would just pray for them. And I just, just turn sideways. I just grab their hands, and I would just pray for them. Now, I'm praying, you know, Holy Spirit, we just pray right now that you would just give us wisdom. You just give us understanding. And I'm praying whenever I can pray and leave my brain in neutral. You know, I can rehearse this prayer, and I'm actually not actually, I, did, I don't want to say this rudely, but I don't actually care about what I'm praying. Because what I'm really trying to do is distinguish spirits. And I'm connecting with him, and this is the way my gift works. If, you can go ahead and sit down, you're clean by the way. Let's say that he came to me, which he, he wouldn't. He doesn't have this problem. I want it to just be really clear. But let's say that he came into my office because he wanted to talk about a problem he had with pornography. But I don't know that, right? I haven't talked to him yet. So I would, I would say, let's pray. Before you tell me what's going on with your life, let's pray. So he's, we start to pray. And if I touch him, I'm, now I know I'm in his Metron, right? Because his Metron can't be smaller than him. So when I touch him, if I start having pornographic thoughts or pictures, I know that his problem, even though it may be, it may be, it may be natural, it's definitely got a demon attached to it. Why? Because the, the spirit that's bothering him now bothers me. Now, if I touch him and, I think, and I'm praying for him, and I don't have any kind of that feedback. I'm like, okay, I don't know what he's here for. But whatever it is, at this point, it's only human. Amen. Now, if somebody has a porn problem that's human, I can give them tools to help them out of it. But if they have a problem that is human and demonic, I can't counsel them out of demonic spirits. I have to cast them out. Are you with me? So I give him all the tools he wants, but unless he gets rid of the demonic spirit, he's still going to struggle. Are you with me? So, and, and in my example, not everybody who has problems, and we just called pornography, but it could be anything, not everybody that has a problem is, is, is I can get in trouble without the devil. Agreed? I mean, let's not make the devil too big. Well, the devil's your problem. Well, I love when the devil's my problem because I can cast him out, but it can't cast me out. Okay, how many of you ladies, you'll relate to this mostly, how many of you ladies, you've gone shopping and you're, you're kind of excited, like, wow, we got the day, the kids are gone, I'm going to go shopping. You go shopping, you get in the store, you're in there for three minutes and you feel exhausted. Like... I'm gonna, I am literally going to fall asleep if I stay in here. How many of you have ever had that happen? Guys too. You've had that happen, right? And you're like, I'm just going to get what I need and I'm out of here. And so you, you're just like, I mean, you're just, it's everything you can do to grab what you need and get out of there. And you get in the car and you drive two miles and it's like, I got my second win. I feel fine. How many of you have ever had that happen? That's discerning of spirits. And let me tell you what's happening there. 
Somebody, either the manager or the owner, somebody who has authority, their metron's the size of that building. And whatever's on them has rulership inside their metron, which can be as large as a country, i.e. Rwanda. Are you with me? Now, I walk in there and I'm like, I'm exhausted. Now, if I understand what's happening, see, I, I believe there are people that are actually diagnosed bipolar because they have the gift of discernment no one's ever taught them how to use it. So they move from mood to mood, not understanding that that's not their mood. Have you ever sat next to somebody in church? And you, know, you walked in, you're excited, it's like, oh, we're going to have a great Sunday, or Saturday, or whatever. <laughs> kind of. And you sit down, and all of a sudden, you have this overwhelming sense you want to kill yourself. It's freaky. You're like, wait a second, what is going on here? I feel like I want to kill myself. And, and you're, you know, you can't even worship. You're like, what? I've never been suicidal in my life. What is going on? And all of a sudden, the person that's sitting next to you gets up and goes to the bathroom, and you feel fine. Most of you haven't equated it. So wait a second, it's John who's got the spirit of suicide on him, and I'm sitting next to him. I'm in his metron. And that spirit's driving me nuts. That's the distinguishing of spirits. You can grow that by being aware that, that those thoughts are not your thoughts. I'll tell you how I learned this. We started doing deliverances long years and years and years ago, 30 years ago. And I remember the first deliverance I ever did was in Bill's office. No, it wasn't Bill. <laughs> and he said, you know, I want you to come and um, help me do this deliverance on this guy. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And I had gotten delivered. You, know, probably, know, you probably know my story. I was demonized for three and a half years. And I got delivered through self-deliverance. And that's, a, that's in the Spirit Wars book, by the way. And it just—it took me three years, so it's kind of a slow road to China. But anyway, so I remember—I can—I'll—I still remember the very first deliverance we did. We fasted for the whole week. Bill and I both fasted, and we get in Bill's office, and there's this man sitting in a chair, and I'm in there about—and we're not—we're not in there three minutes, and and we lay hands on this man, and we're going to cast demons out of this man. And as soon as I touch him, I start seeing, I start feeling like I'm going to kill myself. And then the feeling's so strong, I'm thinking, I can't help this guy. I got my own demons. <laughs> and after 20 minutes, I excuse myself. And what happens is, every deliverance that we did for about the first six months, I can't stay in there. Because I got issues when I come in the room with these guys. And then one day, I just had this thought while I'm in the room. And I don't remember what spirit it was or whatever, but let's just say it was pornography. I get in the room, and we start praying for these, this guy. And I start having these pornographic, you know, literally 3D pictures. And I'm going to leave. And instead of leaving, I said, are you struggling with porn? And the guy breaks into tears. And starts telling us about this addiction that he's had since he was little. And I'm like, wait a second. I bet you that the times I ran out, I was actually their spirit, not mine. 
And so I started experimenting. Every time I would have somebody in my presence and I would have one of those, those, those things happen, I would say, are you struggling with this? And they'd be like, yeah, that's what's wrong with me. Then I'd start realizing that this was the distinguishing of spirits. That literally I was distinguishing evil spirits. Are you with me? Okay, the other way this works is, is, is um, let me read it to you, the ability to appraise the level of spiritual favor and strength on the human spirit that's present in the triune being of each individual. What am I saying there? Remember the story of Luke, uh, in Luke 14, where Jesus talked about um, coming, that these, all these guests got invited, and they took too high of a seat? I'm just giving you the quick version. And Jesus said, listen, if you take too high of a seat, someone more distinguished than you. Did you get that? Someone more distinguished. Same word, distinguishing of spirits. How do I know metaphorically where to sit in a room? By the distinguishing of spirits. I, listen, everybody, God loves everybody the same, but he favors people differently. You go, that doesn't seem fair. Well, it's true. Remember, he even, even Jesus grew in favor with God and with man. Now, you're like, well, what good does it do to know that somebody has more favor than me? Because then you can move out of sowing and reaping and move into inheritance. See, if you can distinguish that somebody is more favored than you, then you can honor them and get what they, ha- what they work for, you can get for free. Remember, if you honor your mother and father, you receive life, long life. So life flows on the highway of honor. So if I walk in the room and I distinguish that Henry is more anointed and has more favor with God than I do, I just metaphorically take the lower seat. The Asians understand this culture really well. They will bow below the person who they think is more anointed. What are they saying? I will bow to you because I'm going to get down here where gravity is going to, that's going to flow. Remember, remember Psalms 133? It's good and how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the anointing oil that begins on the top of Aaron's head and it flows down over his beard. How many of you know that the feet are just as anointed as the head if they're in order? In other words, if I, see, if I come out of order, then I create dripping points where the anointing oil has no effect. But as long as I know my place, are you following me? As long as I know my place, then I honor my place, it doesn't matter how much oil there is, whatever comes to the head comes to the feet. This is pretty huge, and it's being lost in our culture. You know, Moses and Joshua, Joshua was fighting the Amalekites in, in the valley. Do you remember this? And Moses was up on the mountain. And Moses was watching the battle from the mountain. And Moses, I don't exactly know how this happened, but I kind of picture it like this. I think Moses went, oh, man, I'm so tired. And all of a sudden, Joshua started winning. Puts his hands down, losing, winning. Losing. Aaron, her, come here. Are they losing? Yeah, Mo, they're losing. Watch this. They're winning. 
Losing? Losing. Winning? Winning. Come over here and hold my hands up. See, because we don't distinguish spirits, remember 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that any man being Christ is a new creation, but 5.16 says we no longer know each other after the flesh, but after the spirit. And what does Paul say in Corinthians 11? He says, some of you, remember talking about communion, he says, you've misjudged the body, and some of you are weak, some are sick, and some have even died. I used, to mean, I used to think he's talking about, you know, you just got judgment on you. And I realized, no, he means you've misjudged the body. You, listen, you came in with a need that the person next to you can meet, but because you had no distinguishing of spirits, you didn't realize that the person sitting next to you was supposed to take care of you being weak or sick. In other words, it's life on life. I don't know if you're getting this. You misjudge the body, and because you misjudge, see, it's, it was talking about communion, common union. You come into common union, and you judge the body rightly, and you realize Jesus is in the person sitting next to you. You're looking for the big guy to pray for you, and your answer's sitting right next to you. But you misjudge the body. You didn't distinguish the spirit of favor that's on that person. You didn't realize that your answer was sitting right next to you. Because you knew them after the flesh, but you didn't know them after the spirit. So what happens, it, Joshua and Moses, the Amalekites, Joshua is winning when Moses' lifts, hands are lifted. He's losing when Moses drops his hands. What I'm getting at is this, we build bigger and bigger armies, but we don't know how to support our leaders. And we're like, kumbaya, we're at a round table. No, no, you're invited to a rectangular table. Well, I'll tell you, nobody has power over me. And you know what? I submit to God and, and God, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, that's really good, except for it's just not biblical. Well, man doesn't have any authority over me. I'm sorry. I don't know why Paul said to Timothy, appoint elders in every city. I don't know what the elders are supposed to do. Look old? <laughs> Someone wrote to me and said, I, God is my leader and I will submit to no man. I said, well, I wrote him back and said, well, Hebrews chapter 13 says, submit yourself to leaders and obey them as those who give watch over your soul. And he wrote back and said, well, you had to quote that scripture to me. <laughs> Actually, he said, so, oh, so you pull that scripture on me. I said, which one was I supposed to pull? Judas went out and hung himself. There's a really weird thing going on right now. I'll tell you this. You know, if you require someone, if you, if, you, if you say being part of the body means you have responsibility, then you're under the law. If you quote a scripture, now you have a religious spirit. I'm sorry, I'm actually quoting the Bible. I don't know if you're any part of that, but I, I guess we're, we're turning to philosophies of men and we've given up on the Bible because that's a religious spirit. It used to be truth. I don't know what happened to it. So I, I think that our society doesn't get this at all. We, you know, we go to university, we get smarter, we get faster, we get richer, and we still are dying. And we don't realize, like, 
you know what? If you can't distinguish spirits, you can't figure out that the guy sitting next to you has the goods you've been working for, you could have got for free. It's called the laying on of hands. And Paul said it this way, I long to come to you, Romans 1, that I might impart to you a spiritual gift that you may be established. Do you know what he's saying to them? He's saying, you're not established. You know why? I haven't come and imparted a spiritual gift to you. Well, I'll tell you, everything I get comes directly from God. I'm <laughs> sorry, it doesn't. Some things you get come directly from God, and sometimes he passes it through his leaders. You were designed to have a vertical and horizontal relationship. Sorry, it's the truth. The next one is, <laughs> you guys aren't so happy now, are you? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Uh, I went to church and I've been wounded. Awesome. I said I've been wounded. Awesome. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That's why the next proverb says, a man with too many friends comes to ruin. You can only take so much wounding. Look it up. I'm right again. <laughs> the, next, the next sense that you have, S-E-N-S-E-S, sense, S-E-N-S-E, sense, the next sense you have is the gift of knowledge. It's the ability to receive facts and pertinent information about the visible dimension by communicating with the spirit world. In other words, I get stuff that's true I could get it through the natural world, some of the stuff, but I get it through the spirit world. Are you with me? I'm going to give you the rest of these, and then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you some stories. The next one is the gift of wisdom. The gift of wisdom is the ability to rightly apply knowledge in a way that builds for the future that which was envisioned by the creator so that we develop a divine ecosystem that yields life. Say it again. Wisdom is the ability to rightly apply knowledge in a way that builds for the future that which was envisioned by the Creator so that we develop a divine ecosystem that yields life. We'll talk about it in a minute. The, number four is the, the gift of prophecy, the ability to foresee the future before it happens. The, in the second part, the ability to understand a person, organization, or geographic location's divine purpose and call. And the last one is the mind of Christ. The ability to process all aspects, all aspects of life from an eternal, timeless, multidimensional perspective. Second part, the ability to think supernaturally and perceive the natural world through infinite possibilities and limitless resources that transcends the laws of physics and the restrictions of physical realities. In other words, Bill says it simply. He said, when the impossible... When, he said, when you have a renewed mind, he said, you know your mind's renewed when the impossible seems rational. Now, I, I wanna, I'm going to go back to those in just a minute. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 12, I'm sorry, in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want you to look at it again. He, verse verse uh, something, 
is really good. You should read it. You would really like it. Shoot. Verse 4, 5, and 6. It says that there are gifts, but the same Spirit. There are ministries, but the same Lord. There are effects, but the same God. There are gifts. Are you with me? There are gifts, abilities. There are gifts, ministries, and effects. Gifts, ministries, and effects. The word gifts means spiritual abilities. The word ministry means spiritual occupations. And the word effects means spiritual accomplishments. Okay. Um, Now, let me see if I can put this together for you. Part of the challenge that I have is that we tap in to the spirit realm to get spiritual information. We're like, whoa, there's angels in here. Wow, you see that angel? No, but I felt him. And we do that kind of stuff. We, and it's like, we're accustomed to tapping in, and I'm talking about the charismatic church, taps in to SQ all the time. But they just do it for one, for, in one dimension. In other words, our, where it says that there are the, the same spirit gives us gifts, ministries, and effects. The same, the same gift can have different effects. The same gift can have different ministries. This is going to make sense in, a, in just a second. Listen to this. The first man ever filled with the spirit was in the book of Exodus 31. I want to read it to you. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called um, by name Bazel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur from the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge. Get this. And in all kinds of craftsmanship that he may make artistic designs for gold, for silver and bronze. And the cutting of stones in for their settings, for the carving of wood, that he would make all kinds of craftsmanship. I don't, I don't know if you got this. He was sp- filled with the Spirit of God and what was, the, what was the manifestation? Remember, he was filled with the Spirit, and he had knowledge. Are you with me? He had the word of knowledge, and he had the word of wisdom. But what was the effect? The effect was that it came out of his hands, and he could craft silver, gold, and wood. Are you with me? He had spiritual gifts that manifest through his hands so he could carve gold and silver and wood. It was a spiritual gift. But it manifests in wisdom and in knowledge for to do natural things. How about this one? In, um, in, uh, in the Bible. Man, I hate this. In 1 Kings chapter 10, listen to this, verse 4. When the king of, queen of Sheba perceived the wisdom of Solomon. How did Solomon get the wisdom? He prayed for it, Remember? I'm I'm trying to tell you, this was like Old Testament gift of wisdom. He prayed for wisdom because his dad told him, if you ever get an opportunity to ask God for anything, it's the book of Proverbs. He said, my father said, get wisdom. Don't lose understanding. Treasure her. For wisdom is better than gold. Knowledge is better than silver. Remember this? So when God came to him in a dream and says, what do you want? I'll give you anything. He says, I need wisdom. So he got a gift of wisdom, and guess what happened? The Queen of Sheba comes, and get this, I love this. Then the Queen of Sheba perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters, and their attire, the way they were dressed. 
his cupbearers, and the stairway by which he went up to the house of God, there is no more spirit left in her. Then she said to the king, It was true, the report which I heard of, of you in my own land, your words and your wisdom. Nevertheless, I did not believe the reports until I came, and my eyes have seen it. What? My eyes have seen it. And behold, half was not told to me. You exceed wisdom and prosperity in all the reports which I have heard. What did she see? She saw the way tables were set, the way the, seen, the servants were seated, the attendance of the waiters, the way they were dressed, the cupbearers, and the stairway that he had to the house of God. She saw stuff. Man, you're not even getting this. She didn't see like angels. She didn't see glory clouds. She saw table settings. She saw people dressed a certain way. I don't know how you dress some way where people go, that has to be God. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you that we can tap into this SQ and we can solve the world's problems. We can tap into the invisible and bring in the visible, in the visible realm this spiritual intelligence that the world is, is totally devoid of because they only have two dimensions and you have three. And you just have to learn how to tap into it. First of all, you got to get out of the only place Jesus wants to talk to me is church. Well, I got a word of knowledge for somebody with a, with a bum leg on the right leg. It's the right knee. That's awesome. Word of knowledge for knee. Remember, it has, there, there's, there are different gifts and there are different effects and there are different ministries. I can have one gift, word of knowledge, but it can have a different ministry and a different effect. When I was in business... We were in the automotive repair business, and in the early years, I repaired cars. And I used to use, Bill taught us about the gifts of the Spirit many, many years ago, 30 years ago, 33 years ago. And I started thinking, I bet you I can use the word of knowledge to fix cars. And I was a diagnostician, I was a troubleshooter. That was my main, that was, that was my main job. So people would bring cars into my shop and we would charge a minimum of one hour if you had an electrical problem or some kind of problem. And, and we would charge one hour minimum. Well, I always felt guilty just to ask Holy Spirit what was wrong and then charge him for an hour. <laughs> I think I would be different now, but back then I thought that's cheating. So I would try for 50 minutes to find their problem. If I couldn't find their problem, I would lay hands on the car and I ask Holy Spirit what's wrong with this car. Every time he'd tell me something like, the diode under the left front fender is shorted out. Wow. I would check, diode would be shorted out. I have, using one gift, but a different effect. I remember um, this one time, this is, I love, this is my favorite story actually. Um, we uh, had a computer system. We owned, an auto, we owned three auto parts stores eventually, but we had this auto parts store when we first started on a really limited budget, and we had a computer system that we bought, a generic computer system, and we sort of, uh, if you will, modified it to meet, to work for our auto parts need. Does that make sense? 
is it was just a single station. And this is kind of hard to describe, but auto parts, like if this was an auto part, there would actually be five different prices for this part. And the reason is, is because there's the price that a customer pays when it gets installed on a car. That's called list. And then there's a price that you pay if you walk in a store. That's, we called that actually walk-in price. And there's the price that a shop pays that's lower than that. If you're a repair shop, you automatically get another 15% off of that. Then if you stock this part, like if I'm a Napa store and you're a, a repair shop and you say, I will stock all of your, um, all of your electrical parts, I give you another 10% because you stock my part and I don't have to deliver it to you. You can just open up your cupboard and pull it out. Are you with me? So there are, and then there's the warehouse price, the price I pay. So there's five level, price levels. The problem with our computer system is it was generic and it was only designed with three price levels. So every time, so as we grew and shops started stocking our parts, it was really frustrating because you would have to remember, we'd have this little card and say, Okay, you know, and, and to, to, you know, and there are categories, like there are like 300 categories. So if the shop stocked your electrical parts, they get a 10% more discount on the electrical parts, but they don't get more discount on the front end parts. And no, it gets really complex, right? So it's really complicated. So we would, we would tell, we would convince shops to put in our parts, but our computer system only had three price levels. So in order to give the extra discount, you had to remember, oh, Johnny's repair shop stocks our electrical parts, so you have to override the computer every time to give them their 10%. Now what happens when you get busy? Of course, you forget, right? You're just busy. You're just... And the shops would say, you're ripping us off. They'd call and they'd say, hey, you charged me 10% too much on this part. And by the way, I notice that every time I'm not checking my invoices, you're overcharging me. So it looks like we have an integrity problem. When actually, we just have a computer problem. So we went back to, and, and by the way, I have to tell you, like, I know more now, but I, not much. I didn't know anything about computers. In fact, our computer used to turn a switch on, and you had to put in all the backslash stuff to get the computer to come up. Do you remember that? You'd have to type in this code and the computer would come up. I couldn't turn our computer on. So if I came, I always had a stack of invoices. So if I opened in the morning early, I would write up the invoices manually. And one of my guys was computer savvy and he can turn a computer on. And he put all the invoices in. So we call, we finally, this goes on for like a year. And we can buy a new system, but it's $30,000. So we're like, we can't afford $30,000 for a new system. We have to make this system work. So we call the computer programmer who actually wrote this generic program, and we said, we need two more price levels. This is, doesn't work for us. We need two more price levels. And he said, well, I'll try. I actually designed the system for only three price levels. I don't think that's going to work, but I'll go and see. And, and about a week went by, and we kept calling him. And he finally phoned back and said, listen, there's no way for this system to have three, five price levels. It was only designed to have three. The whole, the whole system's formatted for only three price levels. So I was talking to a friend of mine named Kirk, and he said, well, what I would do, he said, I, he said that doesn't make sense. He said, I, I, I'm sure someone, a programmer, could change that. So he said, why don't you bring this friend of mine out of Reading and see if he can, 
can reprogram us. So he came up and he spent, I don't forget how long, seemed like maybe a day, and he finally, you know, didn't charge us, I don't think he charges anything, maybe a hundred dollars or something, and he said, listen, I'm sorry, I tried, can't, there's nothing I can do. This program was only designed for three price levels. I'm like, oh, what a bummer, you know? I've got to buy a whole other system. So we start looking around, and we have no money, and it's just the whole deal. It's really frustrating. Well, I don't know how long it was into this problem. Maybe, maybe it was two or three or four months. I go to sleep one night, and I have a dream. And in the dream, I have this dream of this formula that's like four lines long. It's like, you know, A, C, backslash, D, slash, right? You, you know what I'm saying? It's like a formula that you have to, just backslash, front slash, all this stuff. I see it in a dream. In fact, the dream is so vivid, when I wake up, I can still see it. So I get my journal out, which I always have next to my bed, and I write down this formula. I don't know what's a formula. I just write down this thing. It's, it's like four lines long, like, a, like a, a small paragraph. I write it all down, as closely as I can remember, just, you know, letter for letter. And, and, I, and then I realize, when I get it all written down, I feel like the Holy Spirit said, this is the answer to your computer problem. And I'm like, okay, this is... This is definitely the Lord. I don't know anything about computers. I can't even turn ours on. <laughs> so I roll over. It's like three in the morning. And I say to Kathy, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know what she thought I wanted, but she's like, I'm sleeping. I said, wake up. She's like, what for? I said, because the Lord gave me the formula for a computer system at work. She's like, what? I'm like, seriously, I wrote it all down. You know, she wasn't a believer. And she's like, oh, you're crazy. And so finally, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I finally convince her to get up. So we get up, and we get down the parts house. By now, it's like probably like 4. And she's like, she's totally frustrated with me. And she's like, okay, what'd you get? So I open my journal, and I, I hand it to her, and she goes, she you know, turns the computer on, gets it all up, and then she's like, puts the first line in, and it goes, bloop. And she goes, I think we're in the back of the program. I said, is that good? <laughs> she's like, give me the rest of that. So I give her the rest. You know, if you miss one backslash, you're done, right? She, put, she puts the rest of it in. Next line, next line, next line. I don't know, pushes in her or whatever she did. And she goes, I think this is going to work. I said, seriously? She's like, yeah. She says, well, let's try some. So we, we put in a part, and we, we push price, and it comes up five price levels. Now, that was a word of knowledge, not a word of wisdom, because I have no idea how it works. 
People are like, wow, man, you're a great computer programmer. No, 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 all I have is what's on that piece of paper. This is the whole thing. Everything I know about computers is right here. And I can't even read that. It's hieroglyphics. What's the point? The point is, is that you can tap in to a word of knowledge. You can tap in to spiritual intelligence. You can tap, see, I don't think the, the, problem, the problems of our country are going to be solved by the President of the United States. I think they're going to be solved by the Daniels and Josephs that began to develop this spiritual intelligence. They began to think with the mind of Christ. I want to just give you, I love this mind of Christ when I did this one myself. The ability to process all aspects of life from an eternal, timeless, and multidimensional perspective. The ability to think supernaturally and perceive the natural world through infinite possibilities and limitless resources that transcend the laws of physics and the restrictions of physical realities. What happens when you start thinking from heaven? towards earth have you how many of you dream at all i love dreams because dreams don't keep the laws of physics in dreams you can fly i can fly in dreams you know why because dreams take you into the laws of the spirit not of the laws of the flesh they take you into another dimension i remember i had this awesome dream i love it we were, our, our, um, our stage is about this high. And in the dream, Bill and I were both standing on top of the stage and I was teaching Bill to fly. Now I say, just jump. Just jump. And I would jump and I would fly. All around the building. And Bill would jump and land on the floor. And in the dream, he was getting really frustrated. I said, listen, listen, you gotta believe. You gotta believe. I said, come on, you can do it. And, I, and he would jump. And one time, I didn't even tell this part of the story ever. But he jumped and he like flew to the front row. And then boom, he went down. I said, man, you got to look down at the water. You got to look at the eyes of Jesus. And I was telling this in a dream. It was so cool because I was teaching him something. <laughs> I love dreams because dreams don't live in the laws of physics. They do live in laws, but there's different laws. They live in the law of the spirit. And in dreams, I look awesome. I have a great body in dreams. I'm going to be done. Can I just give you, are you guys all right? I don't want you to get bored with me. Let me, let me just, can I, I'll just give you this one. It's just eight pages long. <laughs> I don't have the right scripture. What the heck? Nobody panic, it's coming. Oh, here it is, yeah. Daniel one eleven. listen to this. But Daniel said to the overseer, this is Daniel Old Testament Daniel and the king, remember that, put Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into his uh, kingly royal council and they only ate vegetables. He's stupid. I'm thinking, man, if that guy did that with vegetables, think what would happen if he would have eaten meat. 
You know, if God didn't want us to eat meat, he wouldn't have made animals out of them. And just for you vegetarians, I walked by a plant the other day and he was going, ow, ow, ow. So I think plants have feelings too. Now what are you going to eat? Dirt? Help me, Mr. Valentin, help me. They're trying to eat my tomatoes. I will save you. I will eat beef. I hate flowers. Seriously, flowers are stupid. You can't eat them. I got to tell you this quick story. I was... Kathy likes flowers, like she talks to them, they talk to her and stuff like that. I don't know what it is like, you know, Eve in the Garden of Eden or Jane and Tarzan. And, and she planted these flowers and we were living in this, uh, this different house on Olive Street. And one morning I got up, it was in like maybe 10 o'clock was Saturday, we slept in. And the flowers she'd planted had grown up into the window. So there was all these, you know, purple and pink flowers growing in the window and I was laying in my bed and I was looking at those flowers and I said to myself flowers are stupid you can't eat flowers and God said do you know why I made flowers and I thought man this is I'm gonna get my notepad out (laughs) deep calls to deep man this is gonna be deep I'm thinking he's going to tell me about the ecosystem of the universe, Romans 1, his invisible attributes, his eternal powers, divine nature, clearly seen in the flowers. So he goes, do you know why I made flowers? I said, no, sir. I bet you're going to tell me. He goes, I think they're pretty. That's what he said. I think they're pretty. Also, you can't eat them. <laughs> anyway, Daniel, I wasted so much time on something stupid. This is Daniel. Now, but Daniel said to the overseer whom the, commander, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, as for these four youth, God gave them knowledge. Get this, listen to this. God gave them, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. And Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days which the king had fixed for presenting them to the commander of the officials, he presented them before Nebuchadnezzar and he found them 10 times more intelligent than all the wise men of Babylon. This is really interesting. He gave them knowledge, intelligence, wisdom, and understanding. I just want to do one. The word knowledge is the Hebrew word M-A-D-D-A. M-A-D-D-A. What's interesting is it's translated bedchamber once and knowledge five times. You know why it's it's translated bedchamber once? Because the root word is the word yada. You know what the word yada is? When Adam, Adam knew Eve and gave birth to Cain. (laughs) Knew intercourse 
In other words, in other words, Daniel got information because he was intimate with God. <laughs> Came from the bedchamber. He was intimate with God and he got all the information he needed. It was coming from Yada. Actually, 1 John 15, no, John 15, I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. Why do I call you friends? Because all things I've heard from the Father are made known to you. How do I get the spirit of revelation? I move from slavery to friendship. I don't call you slaves because a slave doesn't know, but I call you friends because a friend knows all things. <laughs> you know the difference between a person who just obeys and a person who knows all things? He just changes relationships with God. He becomes intimate with God, and God says, I'll tell you all things. Well, I got... 11 more pages of notes. But I think we should be done. Let me see if I have anything I want to say that's important. Oh, man. It's all important. Let me read, let me read you this. We'll finish with this quote. The wisdom of God is imprisoned in believers, guarded by the spirit of religion, shackled for generations by the fear of man, locked away by mediocrity that undermines excellence and kills inspiration. The political spirit has robbed people of the mind of Christ by disarming creativity and marching Christian soldiers in the concentration camps of black and white thinking. The accumulation, the, the, this accumulative climax has reduced the most brilliant minds on the planet to an echo of worldly thinking and has undermined the triumphant call of ageless wisdom. You have the mind of Christ. The impossible seems rational when you think like God. Nothing shall be impossible with God. You're looking for President Obama to solve the economic problems? The problem for the economy is in you. It's right here. Joseph had one interpretation of a dream that saved the whole Egyptian nation from a famine. All of Egypt was saved because of Joseph's SQ. Because he developed it. Because he developed his spiritual intelligence by learning how to interpret dreams, how to talk to God, how to get information in the bedchamber. And he said this to King Nebuchadnezzar when Nebuchadnezzar had his second dream. He said, Nebuchadnezzar, when you were in your bedroom, your mind turned to the future and you asked yourself, what would happen to you in the future? And therefore, the God of heaven spoke to you through this dream. 
Curiosity attracts the wisdom of another age. I want you to stand. I'm going to pray for you, and it's going to wreck you. I want to prophesy something. Within 10 years, every Ivy League college in our nation, which they only have Ivy League colleges in our nation, that I know of, will be teaching a class on spiritual intelligence. And I want to tell you, if we're not careful, it won't be us teaching it. It won't be us teaching it if we're not careful. So, let's be proactive. Let's be proactive. (laughs) About developing... You can't teach something you haven't experienced yourself. Listen, can I just give you something practical? Mothers, let's start with you. You have a practical problem with your children. Instead of running to James Dobson, which I'm good with, ask the Holy Spirit, what should I do right here? What should I do in this situation? And expect the same kind of experience that you have during worship when you're getting a word about angels. In other words, learn to tap in to the supernatural for natural solutions. You're at work, gals, guys, and you have a problem. You could go look it up. You could Google it. You could go ask somebody. Those are all fine. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying you want to grow your ESQ? First tap in and see if you get anything. What's wrong with this car? What's wrong with this computer? When you've exhausted your natural resources, tap into your SQ and get a word of knowledge. What if I don't get anything? Well, you didn't get anything that time. Keep trying. But what's going to happen is you're going to find out that these five dimensions begin to work in you very naturally. And you start to get stuff for wood, for metal, for children, for nursing, for cures, all kinds of information that you didn't know. You know what the Holy Spirit told me? I'm a way better mechanic than you are. <laughs> yeah, Holy Spirit's an amazing mechanic. Well, that's not in the Bible. Well, it's not anti the Bible. How many understand that God's bigger than the book? No, the goal of reading the Bible isn't to get to know the Bible. The goal is to get to know the author. All the, not all the answers for life are in the Bible, but they're all in the author. You know, God cares about who you're going to marry. You can't find a verse for it in the Bible. But if you get to know the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you who to marry. Right? So how many of you know God's bigger than the book? The book gets you into a relationship with God. A relationship with God gives you all things. So I want to challenge you. you got a natural challenge, a natural problem. Before you freak out and do call the doctor and 14 other people, which I'm fine with, in the abundance of counselors, there's victory, there's that. This is, there's a balance here. Tap in Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are the great mother. 
you're the great father. You're the great mechanic. You're the great physician. You're the great engineer. You're the great carpet layer. You're the great carpenter. Like anything I do, you can do better. And you've been around for a three zillion trillion forever more years. And so right now, I just want to tap in. You said all things. I could know all things. So you know about science and history and you could even spell. <laughs> which I need desperately. And so I just want you to do this right now. I just want you to put one hand up and just grab heaven, your SQ, pull it down and into your brain. It's a prophetic act. And say, I receive this for myself. I'm going to be intelligent like Daniel. I'm going to have the wisdom of Daniel. I'm going to have the knowledge of Daniel. And I'm going to understand dreams and visions like Daniel did. And even more than that, the least in the kingdom is greater than Daniel. So I'm going to have all these things on a greater level than Daniel. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. Yeah, okay, let me, could everyone sit just for a moment? I promise just for, this is just a quick moment. Um, this is what we're going to do is I want to right away have, yeah, worship teams coming up. I want to.